Uh, we're turning to the Lord now in His Word in Ephesians chapter 6 as we continue a series on the vision of the church. How does the vision of the church uh, find its way um, into the lives of its members? And how do children pertain to the vision of the church in much of every way? The Apostle Paul would have you to know, and the Spirit of God as well. Ephesians is a doctrine of the church. It's the little epistle that gives us the doctrine and the application of the church. And here in the application section, he is still speaking about Christ and his church. And he turns to those important members that we call children, and he addresses that particular demographic now, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 6, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to his people in his church, and he says this, Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for calling us into your wonderful household of faith, birthing us into the family of God by your Spirit and allowing us to be your children, even called the brother of Christ. We're thankful for our children, these covenant children that you have given to us for a season to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we're thankful that this day the word of God is to them, and the promises to them, and the gospels to them, and the blessings are to them. And we pray you would bless us now with your spirit and minister to us in all of his ways, and specifically to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I preach this morning, our world is being torn apart with rioting and looting of people who are not subject to authorities and have no honor. Without obedience and honor, no society will survive. Whether that society be large as our nation, or that society be as small as a family, or even in a church, without honor and submission to authority, no society will survive. As Christians, we don't want to merely survive, and the Spirit of God would not have us to be merely in survival mode. God doesn't want our survival. He wants us to thrive, to thrive. And that's what he calls us and saves us to do, to thrive in life with Christ. And children, I want to especially address you with this message today. Now, I had a little handout and I forgot to, I brought it, but I forgot to hand it out. (laughs) It is back on the back table. You can cut it in half because it's actually one double-sided half sheet of paper. Um, But it would be good. It's got to fill in the blank, and you can take it this afternoon and fill in all of the blanks. And I'll give you the answers to them later in the message. But this afternoon, and with your parents' help, fill all the blanks in because this message is primarily to you. But it doesn't exclude the rest of us, for we're all children here today. So I'm going to be looking at children expecting you not to go to sleep today. 
Because I'm especially charging you today, as the Apostle Paul did 2,000 years ago, when he is addressing the church of Jesus Christ and the church of Ephesus with this little epistle, and he turns and he says, children, children, as though they are there, as though they're going to hear him, and as though he is approaching them in a very special way. And as Paul, what he did then, I'm doing here this morning. The section actually begins back in chapter 5, verse 18, when it says, walk in the Spirit. Now children, this little book is telling us a lot about walking today. Walking. Tells us how to walk, how to live your life. How to live your life. That's what it means. To walk in the Spirit means to be filled with the Spirit and to live for Christ and for the glory of God. And that is your walk today. That is my walk. That is your walk. In Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before Him that we should walk in them. He then begins the very application section of this little epistle, walk worthy of the Lord in the calling which you were called. And that goes to you too, children. Verse four, uh, 17 in chapter 4 says, Therefore I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. We can see a lot of that going on on TV today. That's the futility of the Gentile mindset. But, but not so for you, children. Chapter 5, verse 2, And walk in love as Christ has loved us. That goes for you too. See, this message is directly to you, children, is what the apostle would then say. For you once were in darkness, but now you are in light. So walk as children in the light, and children of the light. And then in verse 15 through 18, see that you walk circumspectly, accurately, exactly, if you will. Walk rightly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This walk that we have been called to live for Christ is a very walk that separates us from the world. We should never look in the church and see rioting and looting going on in the church. Or divisions or schisms or, or, or those things that rent us asunder. We should not look like the world ever in the church. You should not look like the world ever in your homes. And if you want to know what a good picture of the world looks like today, just look at the cities. Because that's really indicative of the natural heart. So now you walk. You walk like a Christian child should walk. In order to glorify God, covenant children are to obey and honor their parents from the heart with gladness as they would the Lord Jesus himself. Several points we want to address in the text this morning. First of all, before we even get into the very text, the very address that Paul is giving to the children is assuming something here. The children to whom this text is specifically addressing are covenant children of God. Covenant children. 
There's a covenant relationship that exists with God. That's how He relates with His people. And a covenant relationship is a relationship with obligations. It has promises of great reward for faithfulness in those covenant obligations. It also has curses of judgment for unfaithfulness of those obligations. There's no middle ground. It's also a relationship in which God provides you the very grace to fulfill those obligations so that those promises can be fulfilled and the great rewards can be granted and received. Now how good is that? God says, here's covenant obligations. Here's your responsibilities. By the way, I'm going to give you the grace to fulfill the obligations as you trust in me, as you lean upon the Lord Jesus, and then I'm going to give you great privileges of the covenant relationship I have with you, things that are far beyond what you could imagine or think or see or, or dream up, and they are things that you don't deserve. I'm just going to lavish them on you. And he's promised that to you. Conditionally and unconditionally. Children, you who are in the church are special to God. You are set apart. You are called holy. That's different from the children of the world. You're distinguished from other children of the world. That should not make you proud and arrogant. That should all the more make you more humble and filled with gratitude and thanksgiving for what God has done, quite in spite of who you are as a person and of your heart. But you're different from the world. That's why 1 Corinthians 7, verse 14 says that even the children of even one believing parent, by virtue of your proximity to the gospel by only one believing parent, you are called holy. That is set apart out of the world and unto God in a very special relationship. That is why we baptize children, because the Bible leads us with the truth to do that. And with that, you have a very special relationship relationship with God. With that very special relationship comes very holy responsibilities. Children, the Bible says that you are to walk in the Spirit. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to walk worthy of the Lord in your calling and to fulfill the very purpose and the role and responsibilities that you have. Now, it was expected by the Apostle Paul that when he gave this epistle, that the children would be in church with their parents to listen to it. Not down the hall in children's church. Not in the youth sanctuary going on simultaneously with other worship services. But Paul addresses husbands and wives and children and slaves all in the same context. The Bible does not know about age segregation, race segregation, gender segregation, or class segregation, or demographic segregation. It doesn't know that, and it doesn't expect that. I wonder how many today could turn and and preach from the pulpit today the Word of God, and it says, children... Oh, yeah, they're not here. They've been dismissed for this particular hour. 
It's not right. Why do we have so many well-behaved children? Because the discipline and the training and the cultivation has gone on year in and year out, week in and week out, right there in the pew. They're being discipled right now. It's a beautiful thing to look out and see well-behaved children in church in a very long service like ours is. And we don't expect that always. We have to train them. Sometimes we have to take them out. And we have to, but we bring them back. Now think about the implications of taking children out during the worship service and creating a whole separate service for them. They will think that when they grow up, that worship that they should be attending should be just like that worship that they attended when they were a child. For that was their main reference. And when kids grow up, you're going to see churches emerge whose worship looks like it's catering to six-year-olds or six-graders. And is that not what is going on in many churches today? Give them what they want. Make it relevant. The worship we need is relevant to God, and it should bring us up into the loftiness and the weightiness of the glory and the majesty of God who sits and reigns from Zion, and we need to bring them into this holy and fearful place that they may learn to love the Lord their God and to reverence His name. But there's a second and even a more profound implication is that children are removed from the very means of grace that sanctifies them. The preaching of the Word of God is not merely about teaching. It's not taking children out and teaching them the flannel graph lesson. That's not what is going on in preaching. Preaching is worship. It's a means of grace. How will they have faith if they do not hear? Hearing comes by the Word of God, and how will they hear if they do not have a preacher? There is something dynamic and mystical and spiritual going on in the preaching of the Word of God right now where the Spirit is working, and to walk in the Spirit, you need to have the children under the preaching. I want my children to believe and to walk in the truth and to do that They need to be under the preaching. They also need to be privy to the baptisms and the the baptism services, and we call them out to remember their own baptism. I can't remember my baptism. I was a little child. Yes, you remember your baptism by taking something in a past experience and bringing it into the present experience. Remember? Through anesis. And we remember our baptisms like we remember the Sabbath today. And we remember the Lord our God today. But we also have the Lord's Supper for the children because the children who are covenant children should have the covenant meal and they have the covenant sign because the gospel is to them as much as it is to us. Children need to be in the church. They need to be in here regularly Because they have been called to glorify God too. And even a child is known by its doing. And God will even ordain praise out of suckling infants. So David can say in Psalm 22, even from my my birth, I trusted in you, Psalm 22. That was David. 
And from birth, you have been my God. And I hope that encourages a lot of you parents here, but children, it should encourage you too. Children, the Bible exhorts you with two main actions to fulfill your calling and your role that you would walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called. Well, what calling do I have? Well, here's two main things that you can think about. Number one, obey your parents in the Lord. Verse one, obey your parents. And we're not talking about the way that any child is to obey their parents. We're talking about the way covenant children are expected to obey their parents. Covenant children, obedience to their parents is expected way beyond what the world can give to theirs. Your obedience to your your parents will be of a completely different sort and character. First, it will be obedience that is in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. See, when you obey your parents, you're doing it as unto God. It is your horizontal way. It is your way in this life, right where you are in your station of life, in order to show your obedience and submission to Christ Himself in the obedience of the gospel. In the Lord, you obey your parents. Unto the Lord. And when you demonstrate this in your own family, in your own home, you're demonstrating something of your love for God. If you love me, keep my commandments. But secondly, obedience needs to be from the heart. From the heart. It's not merely an external obedience while you begrudge your parents in your heart. Obedience needs to be sincere. It needs to go down down here. Not just out here. But thirdly, genuine obedience that is in the Lord and from the heart will be in the Spirit. That is why you have to walk in the Spirit, that you do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. What it's saying here, folks, and what I'm telling you is, children, the kind of obedience that God is commanding here requires grace to obey. You're not going to do this in your flesh. But we can expect this, and God can expect this, because he's given you the grace to do this. And just like all of us, we'll fall short. We won't be perfect. But you've got the cross of Jesus Christ to go, and you can repent of your sins and find respite at the cross, find peace in the cross, and you find power at the cross, and you trust in Jesus to give you the empowerment to walk in the Spirit. And so you pick yourself up, and you go to the cross, and you find that God carries you in the way of fulfillment. Now, When your parents, children, when your parents are struggling with your attitude, that's not obedience from the heart. When your eyes roll, whether it be physically or, you know, we we parents, we we, we we know when your eyes of your heart just rolled, even though these didn't. We can see it. Or when you stomp out of the room and protest, when you argue back and you stiffen your back, 
When you get angry at your parents because they've told you to do something that you don't like or you don't agree with or you don't want to do, that is not Christian obedience. That is not the grace that God expects from you. All of that's not Christian obedience in the Lord from the heart, walking in the Spirit. Submission is truly tested when you do not agree with your parents or with any of authority. But you must yield in the Lord from the heart anyway. Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. He was obedient even to the point of death, even the death of the most heinous, the most vile manner of criminal corporal punishment, the death of the cross. And yet Jesus was perfect in every one of his ways. From his heart and his mind, his emotions, he was perfect, sinless. And yet he had parents who made many mistakes, who was over him in his earthly life, who sinned against him, who probably faulted him for something that James did. James was probably quite an instigator when he was a little kid and Jesus' brother. We know that even as Jesus' grown brothers and sisters, they had not come into a regenerate heart till after, much after his earthly ministry. Maybe even after his resurrection. But thankfully, God graced them with that. And then we hear more about James in a very good way. But there were a time when his brothers and sisters even reviled him. His own family. He had to suffer in the midst of all that. And yet he was obedient to his parents. He honored them. Your submission and obedience is not conditioned by the righteous character of your parents. Why are you to obey your parents in the Lord? Why? The Scripture says, because it is right. The world is characterized by disobedience. Listen to this from Romans chapter 1. And even when they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness and sexual immorality and wickedness and covetousness and maliciousness, full of envy, murder and strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents." undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. You don't have to go very far. Just click the TV on. Just look at the news on the internet. Just go downtown and you'll see all of those characteristics and right smack in the middle of the most heinous ones, disobedient to parents. They learned that behavior at home. And from their old man, which is natural to be this way. 
But even in the church, apostasy in the church is characterized by disobedience to parents. Even within the church, when there is a, an apostasy that goes on, we can see and we have been seeing it in churches all around the nation today. And Paul warns Timothy, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power therein. Notice that Paul says one of the characteristics of an apostate church is that children become disobedient to their parents, and that becomes characteristic. I'm not saying that children disobey their parents as an act here and an act there. I'm saying what is characteristic of the church. And that says a lot about the church as it pertains, pertains to her children. But it also assumes something about the children that God has graced. Children, you need the power of the gospel in your lives every day simply to obey your parents in the Lord because it's right. You need the gospel. I need the gospel every day in my life. Or you will not obey the way that God expects you to obey. From the heart, with gladness, in the Lord, unto the Lord. You need to spend time with, with Jesus every day. Without your parents telling you, go read your Bible and pray. You're a child of God. You can do this. And He is available to you every day to do what you ought to do and to do what is right. Well, secondly, there's another action word here, and that is to honor. Honor your parents. This is a second action word to fulfill your calling in the role of a child. This is a, this is a role now as a child, hear me everybody, that you will never outgrow. I still am to honor my parents. You will never outlive this part of your calling. How many of you here have never had parents? Right. Then this applies to you. You are to honor your parents. You know, I, I'll remind you once again, the word honor comes from a Hebrew word that means heavy. Heavy. Right? You know what this is? It's heavy. Yes. Right? That's your dad. <laughs> heavy. This is honor. One hand. One pinky. Yeah, yeah, it gets heavier that way, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> heavy. This is daddy here. Can you feel that? Is that heavy? Yes, it is. That's what the word honor comes from. It comes from the word that means heavy. This is 15 pounds. 
This used to be much lighter only five years ago to me. It is becoming heavier as I get older. And as I get older, the word honor becomes more meaningful. If this actually was not just a piece of iron, but a solid piece of gold, this 15 pounds would be worth some $400,000 by today's market. $400,000. And guess what? This 15 pounds of iron, if it were solid gold, would probably be about just that size. Because gold is a lot heavier than iron. Heavy. Heavy. I'm so glad that double bounce didn't hit my toe. Children, you have to consider that your parents are weighty. There's a heaviness in a very good way that God has designed. Just think about $400,000 in a piece of metal that's about as big as my fist or a little larger, about this big of solid gold. It has great value. It is heavy. It has worth. And there's a certain kind of fear that if you had that chunk of metal, that you are going to protect it and guard it and probably hide it and probably not let your friends get too near it. And you are going to treat it with great value. That is how you need to be with your parents. Honor. There's a fear that's associated, but it's a fear that's motivated by the value of it, by the weightiness of it, by the gravity of it, by the importance of it. How careful you would be with this if it were your only wealth. That's the idea. The way you treat your parents must be with honor and gravity. You need to show your parents that you honor them, that you value them, that you appreciate them. And here's a question for us all. Do you think it is easier to live under somebody else's authority or to be a faithful leader in a father and a husband or an elder or a governor with that authority? Which do you think is easier? Which do you think is more difficult? And I'm not trying to answer that question for you. They both have their challenges, yes. But we are called to consider how difficult it is for people who are over us in authority, who are called to rule us righteously and faithfully. From the under position, it is easy to complain or to entertain bad thoughts or to nitpick or find all the chinks in the armor of the sinners who God has placed over us. Think about Jesus. How easy it would have been for him to find all the chinks in his parents' armor. He didn't do that a bit because he honored his parents with gravity and with the weightiness. We should stop and just think how difficult it is for those people over us in their jobs to govern and lead us faithfully and righteously before the Lord. Think about our president today. 
with all of the riots in the midst of COVID, now the riots going on, 10 days of consecutive rioting to try to lead a very unruly and disrespectful and unhonorable people in a way that will keep them from self-destructing. Christians, wives, church members, slaves, children, citizens are not only to obey their authorities, but they are to honor them. Obedience alone isn't good enough. It's got to start there, but honor goes a long ways beyond just obedience. Honor seeks out what pleases your parents, and it does it without being told. What pleases you, mom and dad? It requires you to be proactive. You have to take the initiative to be honorable, not reactive, not always waiting for the command, not always waiting to be told what to do. No, to be honorable, you take the initiative. It's deliberate, it thinks. It acts. Honor can even have a monetary value in the Scripture, as it sometimes does. What value, what honor do you give it? Children, to sneak around behind your parents and to sneak around behind their desires or even their understanding of what you're doing when you know that you're sneaking around and you're trying to hide, is greatly dishonoring to them and greatly dishonoring to God. There's a word that we use, it's a strong word that the Bible uses for dishonor, and that word is blaspheme. It blasphemes God when you sneak around. Because God sees it even if they don't. To lie to your parents is one of the greatest betrayals of trust and honor that you owe to them. Guess who the father of lies is? You're, you're, you're going to come down on one side. You're going to be of the truth or you're going to be in that moment of the false one, the liar. You might be doing the work of the greatest enemy that you have when you lie to your parents. And you won't get away with it, even if, if you think you fooled your parents. What you sow, you're going to reap. You need to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To complain about your parents to your friends and siblings is very blasphemous to God. Dishonoring. Children, count your parents as one of the most valuable assets that God's given you. Yeah, we got problems. We've got issues. We sin. And thankfully, we got Jesus too. But don't do the work of, of the enemy. The enemy, Satan, whose name means to be the accuser. When you start accusing, you're doing the work of the enemy, not the work of Jesus. Treat your parents with the utmost respect. Obey their wishes. Find out what they desire and do it. Find out how to please them. Listen to their counsel. Don't get in that mode. 14, 15, 16, 17, I don't know what age it starts and what age it ends. Maybe one and a half. Uh, don't get in the mode 
where you roll your eyes, oh, he doesn't know anything. He's not very wise. And you think you know more than your parents know. Well, that might be in some cases. But you need to listen and hear your parents. Because God has put them in your life to speak to you. And the Bible says in 2 Peter, it says, and when they speak, it says, though they speak the oracles of God. That's pretty strong. Humble yourself under their direction. Now, if you do this, there is great reward for you because you're covenant children and you've been given grace to do and to be obedient. And it says that if you do this, that it may be well with you and that you might live long in the, in the earth. Now, that's an expansion off of where it came from in, in, the, in the fifth commandment. It says that this is the first commandment with promise. And your covenant children, and this command has been given to covenant children. And not only do you have a greater responsibility as a a covenant child, but you also have greater grace to accomplish those responsibilities, but you also have a greater reward, a blessing. The covenant promises this, that it may be well with you, and you might live long upon the earth. The very first time that that command was given in, in, in Exodus 20, um, and when that, it says that you might live long in the land which the Lord is giving to you. Now what was, what was true about that land? The land was flowing with milk and honey. The land was just full of blessings. It had cities that they didn't build. It had vineyards that they didn't have to plant. It had all kinds of things. It had places where the children could play all ready for them all. And they could live life to the fullest of enjoyment. And in the new covenant promises, now that land has been expanded to the entire earth. The meek will inherit the earth. So the point is, the land in which God's people inherit is a good land. It's the land where life is most enjoyed. And so you will live long here and enjoy it the most if you are faithful to God's direction here to obey and honor your parents. If you do not, do not expect this. If you do, expect it beyond your wildest imagination. God doesn't merely fill your cup. He doesn't merely give you your bare minimal necessities. He promises that, but he gives a cup and he pours it out and you keep taking it and it just keeps pouring and pouring if you're faithful. It starts with you and Jesus and the gospel. God has promised you his benediction. His benediction every day of your life, if you're faithful. His blessing every day, if you're faithful. I want to give you 11 quick applications of covenant responsibilities as it pertains to you honoring your parents. These are part of the fill in the blank here. I'm going to give them to you pretty quickly. You'll be able to take them home and meditate on them and I printed them out because I know your parents would be asking me, uh, what what, what was the answer to number four? So you'll have it, you'll have it all there for you, and and your parents will help be able to figure it out. I even put the missing words on the back. So parents, you should be able to figure this out with them. Number one, children must be students of their parents. Covenant children must be students of their parents. 
Proverbs 1.8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of your mother. Number two, children must have the desire to please their parents. Proverbs 10.1, the Proverbs of Solomon says, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness to his mother. Children, you must have the desire to please your parents. Number three, children must listen to their parents. Listen to their parents. Not just hear them. Listen to their parents. Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Number four, children must respect the romantic responsibilities of their parents over them. Um, you can go ask your dad what that means. Deuteronomy 22, 20, and 21. But if this thing is true and evidences of virginity are not found for the young woman. Then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Children must respect the romantic responsibility of their parents over them in the Lord. No fornicator will inherit the kingdom of God. Number five, children must bless their parents. See, this is not merely a passive activity. This is something you have to be engaged in. Proverbs 30, 11, this, there's a generation that curseth their father and does not bless their mother. But that is not true of you. The generation is going on out there in the cities, but not here in the church. Number six, children must reverence their parents. Leviticus 19.3, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. Keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Reverence. Number seven, children must repay their parents the honor that is due them. 1 Timothy 5.4, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to show piety at home and repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. This even includes financial commitments when needed in the same way that the parents did for them. It is a debt that you owe. Repay. Number eight, children must obey their parents in the Lord. And that's our text this morning from Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Number nine, children must never strike their parents. He who strikes father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Exodus 21, 17. I see this oftentimes when... When little kids are being trained and they have, your moms have them up in, in there and all of a sudden the kid just walks off and hits their mom. Well, that doesn't mean you take the little child out and stone them right then. But if you don't nip that one in the bud and take that child out and train him up and drive out the foolishness from him with the rod, then that child will grow up and he will be a striker where you will need to stone him. And to keep you from having to stone that child in faithfulness to God... Speaking metaphor, 
you better take care of that one early. This is not just any child. This is not the Hittites' children. This is not Moabite children that you have. Your children are covenant children. You want them to inherit the land and have the blessings of God upon them, and it's your responsibility to ensure that they are right before God. And there is no greater truth than to know that my children are walking in the truth. See, children, don't ever strike your parents. But that leads us to number 10. Children, you must never curse your parents. Exodus 21, 17, He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, wait a minute. Whoa, those are pretty weighty things. Yes, children, because you're covenant children. And the way you respond to your parents in the Lord is the way you actually respond and reflect your heart to God Himself. And there is a greater responsibility. This is the covenant curses when you disobey. But let me tell you, as severe as those are, the blessings are even better. But you're, you're not a fence rider. You're not either. You're not kind of in the kingdom, not in the kingdom. And you don't really have the choice. God has put you in a privileged and placed of a holy position before God. And He expects us of you. And he's also graced you in order to carry it out. You can only do that if you have submitted your life to Jesus Christ in the gospel. And if you have, then you can do this, even though it may be difficult and you may have hard parents. No matter how difficult your lot is, it will never be as difficult as it was for Jesus, perfect, having to submit to his imperfect parents and to an imperfect government. Now, if your parents nail you to the cross, physically, literally, then you can come to me and we can have a discussion of how close you might have come, but you still haven't reached the place of Jesus. Don't ever curse your parents. Number 11, and the last one. Children must never make contemptuous fun of their parents. Children, do not make fun of your parents. With your siblings, with your friends. Proverbs 30, 17, The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick that eye out, and the young eagles will eat it. Deuteronomy 27, 16, Cursed is he who treats his father and his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. There's a group of youths that came some 40-something after Elisha. Go up, you bald man. Go up, you bald man. That's what they did. They came in taunting Elisha. Comes out, and they were just kind of having fun. Their parents didn't teach them quite so to respect. And here was Elisha, which God says was the man of God. And they come out poking fun at Elisha. Go up, you bald man. And a lion comes out and devours all 40 of the youth. Little kids. And the Bible tells us that because that is God's righteous judgment upon even children. Children, you're covenant children. 
You have a high calling. You are privileged and have a wonderful blessing promised upon you on condition that you carry out the spirit of the principles that God has obeyed you. And yet He's given you the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to fulfill these things. Some of you may need to go home today and get alone with your mom and and dad or maybe both of your parents and make a sincere and genuine apology for the ways that you have been behaving and seek their forgiveness and then God's. That is the first place that some of you may need to begin your new walk in the Spirit. That's the gospel. That's how we live the gospel out, even as children of God, before one another, with other, with another. We may have to go and, and confess the sins to God that we have been dishonorable and disrespectful, and then we seek those out that we have done so with and seek their forgiveness. That's how the gospel works. We repent. We change our mind. We turn. We trust God's forgiveness. We seek His grace and power to do what is right and then experience His blessing that we do not deserve. How wonderful is that? Not a single one of us is exempted. We're all sinners. We all have to practice this. May God give us grace to be faithful children of Almighty God. Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank You for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You that He was the perfect child with very imperfect parents, and that You have, with Him have made us all children of God with a perfect parent. And we are thankful that You are continuing to work in us and through us, sanctifying us, making us more into the image of Christ, who is the perfect child. And we pray that you would work in our children's hearts and all of our hearts this day, making us more honorable and compliant and obedient to the God of heaven, and that you would bring us more under your lordship, that we would see you, our Father, as weighty and with great value, and that would be expressed in our homes. And we pray that you would give us much grace to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.